Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. You know, I got the chance to think about what I wanted to preach on this morning, anything that I wanted, and we could talk about generosity. We could talk about the call of the church uh, to serve the broken and the lost in the community, because today is about all of that. But I want to talk about this word, thanksgiving. I want to talk to us about the power of thanksgiving or the power of gratitude and how it can transform our life. And then we're going to help us understand how gratitude and generosity actually come together in a really beautiful thing. I think the human heart can so easily tend towards criticism. I stumbled across this cartoon this week and I think it does sum up so much of the experience of life for many of us, but also sums up our human heart. I love that the guy in the gratitude line is reading a book. He's not even expecting people to come forward with a compliment or a note of thanksgiving. He's actually expecting nothing. But the criticism line, the complaints line is out the door. Now we laugh at that, but I know for many of us that's our experience. There's something in the human heart that tends towards criticism, tends towards complaint, tends to be able to see the things that aren't right over the things that are. Now, I know that if I could push all of you on things that you're thankful for, you'd be able to tell me. But I reckon that if I asked you some things that were messed up, broken, wrong, not working, or or just needed addressing, you'd probably be able to list some of those things off too. As an interesting exercise, sit down with a a, a bunch of post-it notes and see how quickly you can write a list of things that you like fixed or broken or that are wrong with the world, and then the things that you're thankful for. I know what it is, but sometimes it takes us a little bit longer to articulate our notes of gratitude. Because all of us can look at the things around us and find that which is broken. I mean, my car's old. It leaks oil. I had a holiday cancelled due to COVID. My house needs an extra room. It's starting to get cluttered with all the stuff that I've got. My neighbours are noisy. My best friend spent less on me for my birthday than I spent on them for theirs. I've got a PS3 and everyone else has got a PS5. My friends get a phone at 10 and I'm already 12 and a half and my parents haven't relented yet. (laughs) And our bathroom, you should see our bathroom. It hasn't had a facelift or a renovation since 2011. I mean, we can all think of the things that in our lives are broken or that aren't right. Those of us that have got kids at school, do the same exercise. Think about what you love and what you don't love about your school. It's so easy to come up with the negative list, isn't it? My teacher doesn't communicate. The school dropped the lacrosse program. My kid was excelling, going to the state championships. I don't like the hats that they chose for the uniform. They're impractical. The sick bay rings me when my kid isn't sick. And they know they're not sick. And I know they're not sick. And the little so-and-so has gotten away with it again. Now, that's a fair complaint. Because that happens all the time with my children. And I said to the sick bay once, Ken, is it, are you allowed at the school just to tell them to suck it up and go back to class? <laughs> Apparently that's not allowed. That's a fair complaint. We can write a list of things that, that are broken or missing or that we need or that we wish we had. I mean, our oven is slow to heat. The carpet doesn't match the couch that we just bought. There's a crack in the vanity. There's nut grass in my garden. The shed only fits one car. We've got a mower, an air blower and a chainsaw, but we really need a hedge trimmer, a mulcher and a gurney. 
and the list goes on. What about for our church? I mean, the music's too loud. The church needs to have 50% more songs from Maverick City. Some of you go, huh? Let me change that. The, fifth, the church needs 50% more songs from Graham Kendrick or Hillsong United or whatever your thing is. We, we, we like to complain about that, which is subjective. I mean, who did name that men's event? What a ridiculous name for an event. Your website's too difficult to navigate. The wall color is bad. The sermons are way too short. And that moment in the service where you make me turn around and say day to someone, I hate that. Every week I buy something on Gumtree and it costs me way too much money to look interested on my phone or urgent on my phone. I hear that complaint all the time from my life group. Well, guys, suck it up. The human heart can so easily tend towards criticism towards complaint, towards that which is missing, that which is needed, that which is wrong, and that which is broken. And it's why today I want to talk about thanksgiving and gratitude because it can become such a powerful agent for transformation in your life. See, gratitude is about the realignment of your heart and your thoughts that will ultimately transform both your perspective and your actions. The practice of gratitude will realign both your heart and your thoughts and over time it will translate into the transformation of both your perspective and your action. I just want to make a few comments on gratitude today and firstly I want to say this, gratitude is really good for others. You learning to practice gratitude has a positive effect on others. I remember two moments in my early life working for the church. I don't know why they're so distinct, but I remember them so distinctly. One of the first times I ever got on stage uh, at Gateway and did the announcements, and it's a big moment, like if, most people say that public speaking is the worst thing that they could ever imagine doing, and so as a young up-and-coming pastor that got my first opportunity to stand up here and do announcements, you think it's easy? I think the announcements is the hardest thing to do in church because so many things to remember and, you know, things to say, and how do I, I've got to remember welcome and giving and that information and look after your kids and there's food. Uh, it's, it's a really hard thing to do. Anyway, I gave a little devotion at the start of my giving and uh, I felt really good about myself at the end of it and I walked off the stage and I walked back into our offices. And, and as part of it, this is 20 years ago, right? So just understand that this memory, it's bizarre that I can remember this, but as part of my devotion, I said, isn't it amazing that God just allows a bunch of sinners like us just to you know, experience his grace? I use that term, bunch of sinners. Anyway, I walked back into the office and just to give you some context, at the time, I'd started as an internship at Gateway and I wasn't getting paid anything, but some people just occasionally flicked me a little bit of a gift to help me with my study and my fees. And um, I walked into the office at the end of the night as we were locking up the church and there was an offering envelope sitting in my pigeonhole. And as a like 17, 18 year old, my heart just was like, oh, awesome, fuel for the Gemini. Someone had taken an offering envelope and written me a letter from God that said, my dear son, please never refer to yourself or any of my other children as a bunch of sinners. And then gave me a theological uh, unpacking of my... 20 years on, I can remember that piece of criticism. Now, I just want to make something really clear. We have to learn to deal with criticism because sometimes what people speak into our life actually helps shape us and it's not always wrong. I'm not actually saying that 
making a complaint or being critical about something is wrong. We, we all need to learn to grow through it. But it's when it gets out of whack. Same time, same era, same uh, season of ministry for me at the church. I remember the last Friday night of youth ministry of the year, one particular year, and I was the youth pastor at the time. And we had a kid that started coming to our church from an unchurched family, but he fell in love with youth group. He found a place of value where people accepted him for who he was. He wasn't the coolest kid in his school. And so he came to a church youth group where it didn't matter that he wasn't cool because, I mean, the youth pastor was super uncool anyway. So he felt right at home. And I remember at the end of the year, I hadn't met the parents But on the very last night of the term, the parents turned up with this massive jar of confectionery and a note that said, thank you so much for caring for our kid. Twenty years on. I I, I don't know why I'm emotional about that. Probably because I'm not allowed to eat lollies at the moment. (laughs) Thinking about the jar jar of confectionery, but oh, man. So good. <laughs> oh, just so everyone knows I'm on a diet. I've become an angry pastor for a month, so it's all good. No. Why is it that I can grab those two things and remember both of them as vividly? 20 years on. There's so many things that I've been involved in in church and in ministry, and those two things I grab. Why? Because gratitude, thankfulness. And the thing that really captured me about that was we had no idea of the impact that us just showing care to this kid on a Friday night had to his family that had no experience of who God was. Now, I don't know where that story went, where it unpacked. They didn't join our church, and well, not that I know of, and I don't know where it landed, but all I know is for a season, God used us as a youth ministry to care for their kid. The sad thing, and I've tried to adjust my practice, and I now want to publicly apologize to all the kids and youth leaders that care for the main children. I try to remember now of the impact that had on me. Because everyone that volunteers in youth and kids ministry, apart from the the two staff that lead it, aren't paid to do it, but turn up because they love your kids. So what power could gratitude have for you actually getting out of your car and saying thanks at least once in the year? There's a little rebuke to the parents. Gratitude is good for others. You know, studies have shown the power of gratitude. If you're an employer, Studies show that gratitude and thankfulness towards your staff will bring the best out in people and make them want to turn up to work. It shows over time people take less sick days, take less leave and stay longer if you employ an environment of gratitude and thankfulness to your staff. Doug Conton was the CEO of Campbell Soup up to 2011 and in talking about his leadership style and when he took on the company uh, it, it wasn't in great shape. And when he finished, he'd turn around. The share price had increased. The, the market share had increased. He'd done an incredible job as a CEO. And he said that one of his strategies was a strategy of gratitude. That he worked out that he'd written around 30,000 notes of thanks to his staff over his time as the CEO of the company. 30,000 notes is a lot. And he said, I had to handwrite them because most of my staff didn't have access to electronic means. Uh, Doug Conant was involved in a serious car accident and while he was lying in his hospital bed, people were overwhelmed with the number of letters from his staff that turned up to wish him well. See, gratitude is really good for others. It's going to be good in your workplace. If you're married, it's going to be good for your marriage. Uh, I've heard this story a hundred times, I don't know where it came from, but of the old bloke that said to his wife, I love you, and then didn't tell her that again for 25 years and someone said, why don't you tell your wife that you love her? And he said, I told her once and I'll let her know if anything changes. 
Now, if you're married, that's terrible advice. You see, we've got to see the power of gratitude and thanks within the relationships we've had because if we're people of thanks, if we're people of gratitude, it transforms people's experience of the world. Imagine here today, two, 200 of us here today, that if, if we as a church just decided in the next year that every single one of us just once a week was going to find two minutes to send a text, to write an email, to make a phone call, to stop when we'd finished in the shop and just to speak thanks over someone's life. 200 of us once a week, 10,000 expressions of thankfulness and gratitude would flow into our community and it would be transformational. But gratitude isn't just good for others. Gratitude is actually good for you. There was a study done around 2015, 2016 by a bunch of uh, university uh, students and they took 300 uh, mostly college students, but others that had actually booked in to get um, support, psychological support through the university. And they picked a sample set of 300 and they gro- broke them into three groups. And all of these people were uh, expressing low um, levels of mental health, uh, mainly around depression and anxiety. But before they started their journey with health professionals, they asked 100 of them just to do the journey. No, no added work. They said to another hundred, we actually want you to journal what's going on for you in terms of journal your negative thoughts and emotions and the things that you're really upset at in the world. Then they took another hundred and they said, we want each of you for the next three weeks to spend time writing letters of thanks and gratitude to people that you just need to let you know that you really, that you just need to let know that they're really thankful for what they've done for you and what they've contributed to your life. And it's hard to measure these things, but what they found was at both the four and the 12 week mark, the hundred that spent time writing letters of gratitude actually re- reported higher levels of happiness and, and, and greater mental health, a, a quicker recovery from some of the issues that they were dealing with and a general greater sense of well-being. You see, gratitude is not just good for others. Gratitude's really good for you. It's not just an idea from psychology. Because the Bible regularly tells us to be people of gratitude, especially in our relationship with God. Just read the Psalms. And I've spent a lot of time over the years reminding people that the Psalms aren't just filled with Psalms of praise. They're also filled with Psalms of lament. But overwhelmingly, the Psalms are Psalms of praise, telling God how good he is. Psalm 100, 1 to 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 95. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship and let us kneel before the God, our maker. There is power in your spiritual life in dedicating time to thanksgiving and praise. Because for many of us, when we come before God, this is what we do. You haven't answered this prayer. This isn't going well in my life. That health issue, that financial issue, that relational issue. God, fix this, fix that. That's wrong. That's broken. That's missing. 
that needs your attention. But the Bible overwhelmingly tells us that we should come to his courts with thanksgiving, to render his courts with praise, to tell him how good he is, to look around and go, man, God, I am so grateful for the breath in my lungs to enjoy the goodness of your creation. So I'm so thankful for those that you've put in my life. I'm so thankful that I get to be part of a church community. I'm so thankful today that I'm a Queenslander, sitting in church with the people of God because God, I recognize that just south of us as people that I haven't been able to meet for 12 months, but here we are. And that's not because God loves Queensland anymore. It's just a moment where we go, God, your grace makes no sense in my life. God, thanks for what you've done. Gratitude's good for others, but gratitude is good for you. And one of the reasons it's good for you is because gratitude can change your perspective. See, some people have signed up to a faith that says with God in the picture, everything will be okay. And then we live our life and realize that not everything is okay because there are lots of things that are very real and very broken and very painful and very lost and very needy in all of our lives. So God doesn't necessarily enter our picture and just make everything better, but he gives us some tools to endure the challenges we face. And one of those is the tool and the discipline of gratitude. Paul writing to a few of the New Testament churches through all the books and all the letters that Paul wrote. He talks to them about the power of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude. To the church in Thessalonica, he says this, give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. Not just when it's going well, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. To the church in Corinth, he writes this, all of this is for your benefit so that the Grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. To the church in Philippi, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and listen to what he says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A powerful picture. In every circumstance, in every situation, in every moment, in every storm, in every moment of depletion, in everything that is broken, in everything in your life that is lost, every time you're aware of a need, every time you feel the pain of the brokenness of the world that we live in. You know what Paul keeps saying? Don't just embrace that. Come before God with thanksgiving and gratitude because Paul knows that gratitude can change our perspective. He actually links it to peace. When we actually look heavenward and get a glimpse of the goodness of God and of his hope, suddenly our circumstances come into far greater perspective. I want to give you a a practical challenge today and it's this. You might go, yep, good message, but maybe you need to change some practice. Maybe yours is once a week for the next 12 months, I'm going to make sure I go out of my way to tell someone that I'm thankful. Maybe you need to start a gratitude journal. Sit down at the end of every day or sit down once a week and just write a note of the things that you're grateful for. Maybe you need to set a goal for writing notes of gratitude. Once a week, once a day, once a month, start somewhere, do something. Maybe you need to start every prayer with thanksgiving. This has actually been one of the small practices I've adopted in my life. 
So often we come to God in prayer when we have a need. I'm really trying to make sure that when I come before God in prayer that the first thing we do is tell Him how good He is. You've ever been to a gateway prayer meeting that I've led? I'll say to you, just tell God how good He is. Let's just start there. Let's just remind ourselves how good God is. It's amazing how quickly everything else piles in insignificance when we get a sense of how good God is. Maybe you need to change your practice. Maybe you need to say, if, if prayer is an important moment in my life, I'm going to start there by giving thanks and telling God that I'm thankful for this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And you know what? God's really happy to hear our requests and our needs. You know, Paul says, come before him with your petitions. Prayer and thanksgiving, bring your petitions to God. It's not that God doesn't want to hear what else is going on. It's not that we live a false sense of everything is good. That's not what I'm telling you. It's just that some of us have tended our hearts to always pick the negative and that that is broken when God wants to transform your heart through the practice of gratitude. Let me give you one final thought today and I want to bring this idea of gratitude and thanksgiving back to a red bag. Because gratitude transforms generosity from guilt and obligation to gladness. And gratitude transforms generosity from guilt and obligation to worship. If you're a person, that you're not a person of faith. If I was giving this message in any other setting, I'd say gratitude can be the thing that transforms your giving and your generosity from guilt and obligation to gladness. For those here that are people of faith, generosity is the thing that will transform, uh, gratitude is the thing that will transform your generosity from guilt and obligation to gladness, uh, to worship. The writer of the Hebrews says this, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise and do not forget to do good and share with others. Bring these two concepts together. You see, see something happens and, and they've actually, they've done some studies where they've mapped people's brain function on this. And they've got people that actually are, are, are people that practice gratitude, that actually spend their life being thankful for what they have, living in contentment and telling others how grateful they are for them. And then they've, they've wired up others that, that are just never say thanks for anything. And then they've mapped what the brain does when they are then called to pay something forward. And they said, it's fascinating to see the parts of the brain that are triggered by the two different groups. Because you see what happens is gratitude transforms something here. That means when we bring a red bag, it's not just like, oh, Thanksgiving Day, everyone's going to be watching. We better bring red bag. Kids, we're not going out for dinner Saturday night like I promised we would do this week. We're going to have to have sausages at home because I need the money to bring a red bag. So I don't do it and I turn up to church. Oh, God's going to hate me and everyone else is going to think I'm wrong. You see, we can give out of guilt. The Bible actually says, if you ever are motivated by guilt, don't give. Like there's no pressure. I want to promise you something this morning because maybe some of you here today thinking, man, I missed the memo on the red bag. Should I go home? No, not at all. All of us are going to go through seasons where we're not in a position to be able to contribute in the way that we'd like to. It's not about, we don't monitor, we don't take photos, we don't video, we don't go through it through the week and go, okay, who gave? But the Bible actually says if you ever give out a guilt or obligation or because you feel forced to or you feel guilty or you think that God's going to smite you, you've missed the point of giving. 
It always says give out of joy and give out of overflow and give out of the desire just to be generous because God is generous to you. And you see, when we practice gratitude, what we do is this. We look at what we have and we look at what God has given us and we go, God, I am so blessed. And suddenly our heart becomes attuned to that which is broken in other people's worlds and all we want to do is help. But if we spend our life going, God, I wish I had this. I wish my phone was better. I wish my parents would give me more money for this. I wish I could upgrade that. I wish my holiday. I wish, well, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. You know what? Constantly our heart is tended towards, I need more, 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 more to build my life and build my kingdom. And then anytime it comes to giving, we go, mm, well, anything I give is just going to reduce what I've got. Whereas if we look at what we've got and God, God, this is amazing how generous you've been. Well, Man, there's a whole bunch of people out there that have got nothing. How can I help? If you don't practice gratitude, you'll forever be looking in the wrong direction and wishing for that which you don't have. But if you start to build a heart of gratitude, suddenly your perspective on people will change. Your perspective on belongings will change. Your perspective on giving will change. Your perspective on what it means to be generous and to enter the mission of God that as Justin said, has a Bible that is filled with verses that tell of how his people are the ones that need to be the front runners in caring for the lost, the broken, the homeless, the hungry, those without clothing, those without family, those with dysfunction. We are meant to be the front line of people that show love, grace, care, generosity and support there. But if we spend our whole life looking there, we'll always just feel like it's an obligation that we have to fulfill, not a joy that we get invited into. So here's how we're going to land today. Because now is the moment where we as a church get to be generous. But before you come forward and drop your red bag, if you have one with you today, I want you to take a moment in your chair and not think about what you don't have, but just start giving thanks to God for what you do. Man, this, this is a message I've needed to hear in this last couple of weeks. Because man, I've had moments of temptation just to keep looking at that which I don't have. And I'll tell you, it's a hard pull, but the moment I turn around to take stock of what I do have, generosity just becomes an overflow of that. We need to be people of thanksgiving and people of gratitude. This is a powerful spiritual discipline that will transform other people's lives, that will transform your life, that will raise the fame of Jesus in our community and will make a difference in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth as God wants. Let's be people of gratitude and praise. Come on, before the, before the band sings, why don't we just sit where we are? Why don't you just take a moment right now just to call to mind things that you just want to say thanks for. Maybe just look at the people next to you. Maybe just give thanks for them. Why don't you just do it in your own private space now? I was going to give you a moment of silence to do that. I'm going to invite us forward.
Lord, today I just want to say thanks. I want to say thanks for my family, beautiful family you've given me. Blessing to my life. I want to say thanks to my church family. Thanks that I get to do this with others. God, today I want to give you thanks for the Hens family, for the Tabaldi family, for the Game family, for those that turned up yesterday to set up, to help make this day happen. For all those others that I haven't named, Jesus, that have helped make today happen, I just want to give you thanks for the generosity of people in our church to serve others. God, I want to thank you for Deb, for Soph in their leadership, in their care ministries. I give you thanks for Sue, for the vision she had so many years ago and the hard work she put on that no one saw that get us to days like today. God, I want to thank you for this awesome place we get to gather for church and the generosity of this school to us. God, I want to thank you that we've got a band. I love worship and I love that we worship with good musos. It's a bit selfish. Thanks for the coffee. Thanks for the sunshine on Thanksgiving Day. Thanks for those that are about to cook the barbecue lunch that we're about to enjoy. God, you are so generous to us. There's so much to be thankful for. There's so much that we can show gratitude for. Lord, I just want to pray that today as we get the opportunity to give, as we give over that which, Lord, we poured our resource into, that we would give it in joy, knowing that people less well off than us are going to do better because we've answered your call. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Hey, church, here's one of my favorite moments in our entire calendar. It's renowned that pastors don't love talking, well, some. I, I don't love talking about giving, but I love talking about giving on Thanksgiving Day. And I love the sea of red bags that come out of this place. So the band's going to lead us in a song, and now is your moment to, uh, if you have a bag and you want to bring it, bring it forward. We're going to deliver them down the front here, in front of the big red bag, while we stand on our feet, church, and let's enjoy this great moment of celebration. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.